Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Praise God. Uh, we've been doing a series about allegories in the Bible which tell the picture story of our whole Christian life. So we talked about the Israelites coming out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. And we said that was a story, a picture of our Christian life. Then we looked at the parable of the sower, the seed getting sown on the ground and our heart is the soil. And as we prepare our hearts and we take the seed in, great Christian growth happens. And that was an allegory of our lives. Today is the third one. There are four in this series. And the idea is for us to look at all four at the end and say, what can I learn when I put all of this together about my Christian life? There are similarities and there are differences in these four allegories, but there's something powerful if we put them all together. So you've got two of them already logged away in your mind. And the third one today is kind of coincidental with Mother's Day because we're talking about Mary receiving the Word became flesh. The Word of God became something in her and grew in her and grew out of her and changed the world. And you and I are here today in church because Mary heard the words of God from the angel Gabriel. She believed them. She opened her heart to the Word of God and it became flesh. And it's a picture, the allegory of a mother conceiving and growing a baby and then bringing a baby up to to adulthood is a picture of your Christian life and my Christian life. It's an unusual picture. I'll grant you that. It is an unusual picture today, but there is some beautiful truth running through the story. And if you bear in mind Mother's Day as well, there's some wonderful uh, affirmations to say thank you mothers for all that you do. But even for the males here, I want to tell you that in Christ we can be like mothers. So there's a verse in Galatians chapter 4, which is going to go up on your screen, where Paul, the apostle, says, My little children, this is Paul, the tough guy. Do you remember he got stones thrown at him and they thought he was dead, but he gets up and he walks away. He was beaten with a rod and a whip so many times. He was shipwrecked and spent a night and a day in the sea. He had so many things. He was thrown to wild animals. He was a tough guy, Paul. I mean, really, really tough, commando tough. And yet he speaks like a mother to the Christians in this church in Galatia. He says, my little children for whom I labor in birth again. That's very motherly talk. And I'm going to challenge you men here today. Get some tough femininity in your Christian life and you'll be amazed that actually this mothering aspect is a toughness. It's not just for the mums. It's for all of us. So he says, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. He was saying to them, I'm a mother type figure. I'm laboring to give birth for you, but I want Christ to be formed in you. I want you to be like a mother where Christ gets formed in you, just like happened with Mary. So I'm going to ask you to uh, engage your imagination today. We're going to tell a story about Mary And all the way through, the purpose of an allegory is for you to be every now and again hearing something in the story and going, wow, that's interesting. That could apply 
to my life. That's the purpose of an allegory. I, I'm not here to beat you with every point of truth. It's for you to hear the story and for it to trigger ideas in your mind. So Mary is a little young girl, a young lady in a small forgotten corner of the world. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, a tiny nowhere and a, and a small forgotten nobody, Mary. Women were second-class citizens of that day, and God chose a little teenage girl with no education, no wealth, no background, no great family history, she was descended from David, but she was a poor person living in a tiny town. And this is the, the, the main truth that impacts me out of this story, I'll be honest with you, is that if it wasn't for God's word coming into Mary's heart and then into her womb and into the world, if she hadn't been impacted by God's word this way, she would have been forgotten off the pages of history. She would have been a nobody out of the millions and billions who've ever lived, we would have forgotten her. She would have had no impact on the world. And in eternity, in spiritual things in heaven, there would be no record of her whatsoever. But the Word of God came to her. She received it. And it changed not just her life, but it changed the whole of human history. And this for me is the, is the powerful point. Each one of us, every time we hear God's Word, we have the opportunity of being like Mary and receiving something from God that will turn history for us and for the world around us. It's like the parable of the sower last week. When I hear God's word, it has the potential to produce a supernatural harvest if I receive it correctly. So, he came to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. He's telling her, you are awesome. It reminds me of Gideon in Judges, where God comes to Gideon and he, and he says, you are a mighty man of valor. And he says, I'm not. I'm the smallest, the least of my family. My family is the least of my clan. My clan is the least of the tribes of Israel. I'm a nobody. And God said, you are somebody. And I want to say to you, the same phrase, highly favored one, is applied to you and me in Ephesians 1 verse 6. It's translated slightly different, but it's the exact same Greek words. Charitu, and it says, you and I, because of the grace of God, are highly favored ones. You are like Mary, and God's word is coming to you. Not Greg's word, it's God's word. Now listen to what he said. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. You can imagine Mary just feeling, I I'm nobody, I'm nothing. I can't do this. In fact, she goes on, he, he says, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
And she said, how can this be since I do not know a man? She's looking at her own ability and her, her own natural strength. And she says, I can't do this. And that's the right response. Every time you and I hear God's word, he says to us, you are favored. You are highly favored. God's grace is upon you. And God wants to do great things through you. And many of us kind of are a bit like a rabbit in the headlights. Our eyes go wide and we say, me? I can't. It's not me. How could this be? And slowly it dawns on her as the angel explains that this is a supernatural thing. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. For with God nothing will be impossible. And now we get to the important bit, her response. So there's going to be three sections to the story. The first is conception, when she receives the Word of God for the first time, and the Word becomes flesh in her womb. The second part is growth, as the baby grows and is born and then grows to adulthood. And then the third part is parenthood, or passing it on. So the first part is conception. And this is where it, it starts. Mary said in verse 38 of Luke 1, Behold, I am the maidservant of the Lord. In other words, God, you're the boss. I'm your servant. Whatever you say is right. That's the first response. Secondly, let it be to me according to your word. The word becomes flesh. We've got to say, God, your word is more true than what anyone else says or what I think. And then this is what I love. The, the song of Mary, a couple of verses later when she meets Elizabeth, her cousin, it's she, Mary, Mary starts verbalizing what's going on in her heart. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. He has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. Can you see how faith has sprung up in this little young girl. She looks at herself, she looks at her family background, she looks at all the physical resources around her, she's never slept with a man, and she says, it is impossible for me to do this thing, but she receives God's word, and faith springs up inside of her, and she starts to confess God's word, yes, this will happen, and she starts to praise God for what he has done. Conception is the first part. It's when the Word of God comes. And the, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. You know, you can receive the Bible, the Word of God, without the Holy Spirit's overshadowing, and no baby will be conceived. 
But when the Holy Spirit is upon God's Word, have you ever read a verse of God's Word and suddenly it just comes alive? Have you ever been reading and, and sometimes you read and it's dry and difficult and other times you read and it's like the Word of God is shouting at you? That's because the Holy Spirit is there. And we need to say, God, I want your Word and I need you, Holy Spirit, to overshadow, to make the Word come alive to me. And when that happens, it doesn't matter if you are the youngest, the poorest, the most uneducated, the most unqualified, God's Word in you can produce something supernatural even today let me challenge you you might have been struggling under a whole lot of things you know the, the Israelites were struggling under Roman rulership for years and they had tried to throw off the Roman yoke they had rebelled they had wars they had armies they had um, these zealots who would rise up and try and overthrow the Romans and they couldn't do it plus they couldn't get rid of their sin they, they did all the religious things. They sacrificed the animals and they kept all the rules as best they could. But they could not get rid of sin in their lives. And in one instant, one word from God implanted in a young girl's heart by faith changed everything. The, not just the yoke of the Romans, but the yoke of Satan was broken off. And righteousness was birthed not just in Mary's life, but in us as well. I'm wondering if you can start to see there's a chance that many of, of us will say yes but that was Mary it can't be me that's how she could have felt she could have thought it can't be me I'm just I'm a nobody but she said with God all things are possible with the Holy Spirit in the place on me with the presence of God with the Word of God anything is possible I want to say to you, there could be some Billy Grahams listening to me today. There could be some mighty workers of miracles in this room or hearing over the internet today. Because God's word is the issue, not your personal ability. And if you would just be like Mary and say, yes, let it be according to your word in my life. Lord, I receive it. My soul magnifies the Lord. I start to praise him. I say, your word is true, Lord. Anything is possible. Amen? So the second part is the growing up. The growing up. You know, it starts off when God's Word comes into your life and you receive it. At first, a mother is the only one who knows she's pregnant. And for the first few weeks, months, it's still not obvious to anyone else. Eventually, it starts to show um, and then eventually the baby is born and then the baby grows and grows and grows. There's this process from conception to growth um, and it, it involves you and it involves God but for a long time you're the only one who knows there's something going on. And again, I, I just feel led to challenge us. You know, sometimes we look at a person and we say God is not doing something in their life, but we don't know what's been conceived inside of them. And God can be doing something awesome in people's lives. And you need to say, I'm just going to keep God's word and I'm going to let it grow within me. And there's this process of growth. It starts from a tiny little cell. It multiplies, it grows, it grows. Eventually, Mary gives birth 
And suddenly now the world knows there's something here. And then the baby grows and he starts to learn to talk and he starts to learn to walk. And this thing that God does in you will grow in your life. And it becomes more and more obvious, more and more um, powerful. You know, at first Mary has to do everything for the baby. And when God's word is first in your heart, you feel like you're the one who's having to kind of make sure you grow as a Christian. It feels like it's you doing all the things. But as it grows, more and more, it becomes God taking control and you becoming this, the lower part of this partnership. It starts off with the mother being everything and the baby being tiny. And eventually, we get to the place in John chapter 2 where Jesus is a full-grown man. Mary's at a wedding and she says, Jesus, they've run out of wine and now he's the boss. He says, woman, what has that got to do with me? And then she turns to the servants and you can tell this relationship has grown from her wiping his face when he eats to now he's the boss. And she says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Mary had got to the place where she still had a will, she still had a mind, she still made decisions, but she trusted this Jesus so much that he was Lord. Amen? And friends, my main point in the second section is this. If the process has stopped, there's a problem. If the process has stopped in your Christian growth, you know, we start with a tiny seed of God's word in us and he starts to do things in our lives. But it's possible that we can stall the process. Imagine Jesus got to six years old and then never grew anymore. There would be a problem. How's the process going in your Christian life? Many of us have received God's word. He's made promises to us. And it's not just about salvation. It's about many areas of ministry and wholeness in our lives and, and character issues and different things. How's that process going? Has it stopped? Are you still progressing in your Christian life? Is Jesus getting bigger and you are getting more obedient to him? It's a serious question. You know, in earthly terms, if a child stops growing, it is an emergency. We go to the doctor and we say, this child has not grown for the last year, don't we? It's a terrible tragedy when a child stops growing, medical experts are brought in because there's something wrong. Friend, Jesus must be growing in your life. He must be. If he's not, there's something wrong. He's got to get bigger. We've got to listen to him more. We've got to trust him more. We've got to obey him more. We've got to grow and grow in Christ. Amen? And then the third part is when we pass it on, parenthood. So Mary <coughs> becomes one of the disciples. The disciples watch Jesus die. When I say disciples, I'm not talking about the 12. I'm talking about the 120 who followed Jesus around and were gathered in the upper room after he rose again. So she becomes part of that group. And they follow, they learn from Jesus, they serve him and support him, and they watch him die, they watch him rise again, and then they are in the upper room, and Jesus had promised them, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses. That phrase, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, is exactly the same phrase that the angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and overshadow you. It's that same phrase. And it happened again at Pentecost. So Mary had already accepted the Holy Spirit once when Jesus was put in her womb. But now, after the growing process, there's this new phase where she is empowered to be a parent to other people, a witness to bring Christ to birth in other people. So the first phase is God's word comes into my heart and I receive it and I, I, I get supernaturally um, changed from the inside. The word becomes flesh in me. The second phase is that grows and grows in my life. The third phase is I pass that on to other people. And I need to challenge you, my brother or sister, have you got to that stage yet where the baby that you're growing, the Word of God, the promise of God, involves growing Christ in someone else? In other words, it's not just a selfish thing anymore where I'm believing God for finances or health or a spouse or a, a getting over a, a sinful habit. It's now the thing that I'm growing within me is Christ in someone else. And I'm praying for someone else to get saved. And I'm praying for Christ to be formed in someone else. And I'm travailing as in labor. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 4? I'm laboring as in childbirth for Christ to be formed in you. Suddenly, it's no longer all about me and Christ making me more like him. I'm wanting Christ to be formed in other people. And you haven't been fulfilled as a Christian until you've got to that place. Again, it's abnormal if we haven't got to the place where we're giving birth to new babies in other people, where we're not a grandparent, where we're not growing the family. It's abnormal to stop the process. We have to pass it on. And Paul says, I'm, I'm laboring again in childbirth for you. So the Galatians were there in his mind's eye and he's imagining these Christians and he's saying, I labored in childbirth for you the first time when you became Christians. I prayed and I spoke God's word and I wrestled in prayer for you. And, and all that process of giving birth that a mother goes through, Paul went through for the Galatians to get saved. But now after they're saved, he says, I'm doing it again for Christ to be more formed in you. There's a discipleship process that Paul is going through with these Christians, and he's wrestling in prayer. I'm praying for dear brother so-and-so, dear sister so-and-so, that they would become more of, of Christ, that they would grow in him, that the character of God would shine out of them, that they would overcome those negative issues in their lives, that they would grow strong and fruitful in the Lord, that they would prosper and, and be able to do great things for God. I want to say that my greatest joy in my Christian life has been that ability to pray for other people and see Christ do miracles in their lives. It's wonderful. And I'm, I'm challenging us. Let's not stop. Let's not stop at baby stage. Let's not stop at teenage stage. Let's not stop even at grown-up stage. Let's move on to where we are helping others. You say, how can I do that? 
Well, you can share the gospel with others. You can pray for others to be saved. You can get involved in a small group and you can disciple somebody else. I was so happy when Annie came to me a, a few months ago. said, the Lord has put it in my heart to teach ladies the Bible. And I said, wonderful. And we prayed about it and we got that group started. And it is a wonderful group. There's seven ladies who meet on a Monday night. And they are loving it. They are lapping up God's word and they are growing. What happened there was, I know Annie had done this previously, but something happened where she felt led to become a parent to others, to Christ being formed in someone else's heart. And I know her. She prays for those ladies all the time. She's laboring in childbirth for Christ to be formed in someone else's life. So what's the allegory? Friends, you are highly favored, just like Mary. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross to turn aside God's wrath and to pour out God's grace. Uh, Titus 2 verse 11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All of us are highly favored. Every single one of us are like Mary now. God has, Jesus has made the way for us all to receive God's favor and His grace. God's Word is being spread daily. The Bible and, and preachers and various places, God's Word is going out, the seed is going out, and God is looking for someone who says, Lord, let it be unto me according to your Word. Let the Holy Spirit overshadow me. I trust you, Lord, to do something supernatural in my life. Will you be that person? Not just getting saved, but again and again in various times that you read the word of god and then he's looking for growth progressive growth non-stop growth he says don't let it stop let it grow let it grow let it grow let christ be more let you be less until you get to the point where he is completely lord of your life and then lastly pass it on labor in childbirth for someone else pray for them share the gospel grow people in christ Amen. So I'm going to ask us to consider what it is that we need to change in our lives as a result of this word. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com